This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. You've finally gotten your little one to stop asking you to wipe his bum, or you've finally gotten your teenager to be able to handle things without huge emotional disruptions, and now the behaviors are back. Parents, that's called regression. It's a normal part of development. It's normal under the most usual of circumstances, and it's certainly normal during this time of pandemic parenting. Today, we're answering questions from listeners who post on the Facebook page for our podcast, and we address the regression some listeners are seeing in their family. Regression from toddlers to teenagers, that's what we're talking about. Hi, Robin. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Good, good. How are you today? Good. It feels sunny and it's warm outside and it's a nice day. I know. I I was thinking as New England starts to experience sunnier spring days, everything's just feeling a little easier. I know. I'm looking out my window and I can see the green buds on the trees, which for people who are listening to this who are in more southern climes, it really is true. Like we don't get the leaves on the trees until May. So April can really be a little bit of a bumpy month for us. So it's nice when it starts to spring up over here. The mud season. Yeah, right. <laughs> the mud season. Yeah. So we are going to talk today about regression, which if you're wondering, what do we mean by regression? That just means when kids slip back into patterns or behaviors, things that they were doing when they were younger, and now suddenly they reappear. And it is one of those things that can get a parent's attention. And sometimes actually parents feel a little bit like a failure or like what's happening or why is this going on? And sometimes parents react to it as, as a sign of something like, oh my gosh, did they experience some trauma or, or what's happening emotionally that they're going back in time? And so I want to say first off that regression is a normal process because development of kids as they're moving forward through developmental phases is not a straight linear line. There's a lot of two steps forward and one steps back. There's a lot of being able to master a skill in one context or in one place and then have it not be mastered in another. So an example of that might be that when your child goes to visit your parents, so when they're at Grammy and Grandpa's house, they seem to be able to handle a lot of things that they're not handling at home. And then we begin to question, why are they doing it for those people and they're not doing it home? All of that inconsistency and all of that bumping around into different places is really a normal part of child development. If we're talking about it in relation to this period of time that we're in, this stressful COVID time, I am hearing a lot from parents and I'm hearing it from parents of younger kids and I'm also hearing it from parents of tweeners and from parents of teenagers 
that they feel like their child is sort of slipping backwards and regressing and doing things that they weren't doing for a long time. Do you think that means if if like a stressful environment or stressful experience like right now when there's a lot of change that's been forced upon us, mm-hmm. that regression is coming from a different place than typical developmental stages then, right? Yes. Well, and so regression can happen. It, 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 say, if it's, it say it's a typical developmental stage and it does happen in times of change or stress. Like I'll give you an example. My older son used to suck on his middle finger and his ring finger. So he'd put them together. You can imagine, you can't see me, but he'd, he'd put them together and he'd suck on these two fingers. He just sort of walked around with his fingers in his mouth. And then by the time he started kindergarten, I don't remember seeing it very much. Well, he was at this wonderful Montessori school up until kindergarten. And then he changed schools to go to another incredible little school that we called it the Nirvana Fairy School. It was just so wonderful, but nonetheless, a big change and a big step. And I remember so clearly when we drove up to pick him up after his first day of first grade, he was standing out waiting for me, holding his little lunchbox and his two fingers were back in his mouth. And I hadn't seen that in a long time. So it happens. That was a stressful day for him. And so it is normal when kids are going through change or shift or they're they're go- starting a new school. So of course, during this time, when talk about change and shift and uncertainty, we're going to see a lot more of it. If you're interested, any of you listening in a great book about this, there's a book that T. Barry Brazelton, who is that wonderful pediatrician, but he wrote a book with another guy. And of course, I can't remember the other guy's name, which as a co-author is... I'm probably going to annoy him, but we'll put up the we'll put up the details about it. But the book is about touch points, and basically, what Dr. Brazelton says with his wonderful co-author, who I can't remember, says that you'll see a child moving towards some big leap that happens. So they're going to gain language, or they're going to start sleeping through the night, or for older kids, they're going to start being able to stay home alone for a little bit of time, or they're moving into middle school or all these things that happen. And right before that happens, they will regress in a way that will drive you crazy. So you'll be thinking, oh my God, I can't believe that she is crying all the time. I thought we were past this, or I can't believe that she is so emotionally distraught about this small thing, or I can't believe that he started wetting the bed a little bit. We thought we had him potty trained, or I can't believe. And then all of a sudden, they'll zoom into another um, developmental phase. So all of that is normal. Right now, we are in this limbo place and so much has changed in terms of schooling and parents being home and not being home and not being able to see the people that you love as much. A lot of kids are really struggling that they're not able to see their grandparents or their nursery school teacher or their best friend. So all of that means that regression is probably going to be right there in front of our eyes. And my advice to you as you're listening to this is there is no need to panic about that. There's no need to think that something horrible is wrong with your kid. This is a normal reaction in an abnormal situation. It's a comfort mechanism, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So it's sort of like it's sort of like the equivalent of comfort food. 
It's sort right. of like the equivalent of, oh, you know, you're, you're feeling so distressed and you just want macaroni and cheese. If you're a little kid, you're feeling so distressed. So you just want those two fingers back, or you want your stuffed animal, or you want your lovey back that you gave up. Or sometimes kids will start using a pacifier again, or, you know, and the list goes on. Kids even, things that, things that, and these aren't really bad things, right? So somebody pulls out a game that they haven't played. So I just, it's funny you should say this. There is a woman that I know. She is such a um, funny person and such a wonderful mom. And she just posted a picture on Facebook of her two, I think she said her two grown up boys. And I happen to know that they're, they're well into their teens sitting at a table playing Legos. And that is just a, such a typical comfort that that's their comfort toy. It's so funny. So I knew we were going to be talking about regression today, but completely coincidentally, we just, I was preparing our family's lunch and we had some nice sunshine and I went to our Spotify account and there was one album that defined parenting a one, two and three year old in our household, uh, this phenomenal children's nursery rhyme album. And it had the most rockin' cover of I've been working on the railroad. <laughs> and so I, we haven't played this in years. My yep. kids are, uh, nine and 14 mm-hmm. and, uh, I play this and my kids who've heard it a thousand times, you're like, what song is this? But, uh, my husband who typically would be like, why are we listening to this? Yeah. we both both just like belted the whole song because yeah. it's an anchor for mm-hmm. us of this really sweet time when mm-hmm. our children were young and and it was just exactly the comfort I wanted yet today it was yeah. great that's exactly that's exactly how this thing works and i think that where sometimes when we talk about regression it does tend to have sort of a negative spin to it right so nobody you don't get a you, you nobody nobody gets an award for the best regression during kindergarten it's not something that we look at positively but we we don't have to look at it negatively now that said there are some situations in which kids go through very traumatic circumstances and there is a very significant regression I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about the normal movement back and forth that kids experience, particularly as we're going through this now. So if your child were to have a very significant issue, then you'd want to talk to somebody about that. But but the things that I'm talking about today are sort of going back a few developmental phases and looking for that comfort that they found in other places. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance, so literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. 
So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath, and on the app, it lets you know if you are burning fat or carbs, and it gives you a tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. So how Lumen works is that you breathe into the Lumen device first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fat or carbs. And then Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals, so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time. And Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. I love the extra data that I'm getting about my health right now. Because for many women of my age, as we are going through a long chapter of hormone changes, Lumen's helping me use my body's data to make the best choices. So your metabolism is your body's engine. It's how your body turns the food you eat into the fuel that keeps you going. And because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does, optimal metabolic health translates to a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, and better sleep, which is key. So Lumen gives you recommendations to improve your metabolic health. So what is metabolic flexibility and why should you care? Well, the key to metabolic health is something called metabolic flexibility. We love flexibility at Fluster Clucks, and that's where Lumen really shines. It refers to your body's ability to efficiently switch between using different fuel sources like carbs and fats, and there are preferred times to use each, and how well you can switch places you on the metabolic flexibility spectrum. So after getting to know you through your breath, Lumen gives you a metabolic flex score that you can track and improve upon. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fluster to get $100 off Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N-D-O-T-M-E. And use Fluster at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So we had asked for some listener questions on our Facebook group if there were any parents that were wondering or or feeling concerned about regression. And we did get several great questions. And I just want to highlight this one because I think it really representative of what kids are are dealing with. You can you can join in too for future episodes just by finding the link on our homepage or going on the Facebook page. So here's the question that was asked. My son is displaying so much talking back and hitting during this time. The hitting is something that hasn't been seen since he's a toddler. He's almost seven. How do we tackle this? So this is exactly what we're talking about. 
And unfortunately, some regressive behaviors are really sweet and cute, like wanting to play Legos, but other regressive behaviors are not so sweet and cute. And certainly hitting and talking back is not something that we want to completely ignore. And we had talked about this in previous episodes, that this is not the time to say, well, because this is going on, we're going to completely give a pass to all of the other structures or the rules that we have in our house. So you don't want to ignore this. But I think one of the ways that you want to talk about that is is to sit down with your son, and I would be very open with him about it. I would say to him, you know, sometimes when families are going through stressful times or kids are going through a lot of change, you do sort of fall back on some behaviors, and some of them are fine to fall back on, and some of them are really not fine to fall back on. Hitting and talking back is not allowed in our family, and though even though we're going through this tough time, I really need to let you know that we are not going to tolerate that. So one of the things you want to pay attention with him and and tell him that, and maybe he'll talk about it and maybe he'll deny it and maybe he'll get defensive and maybe he'll say, you know, mommy, you're stupid and talk back to you in just the way you're telling him not to. That's where you have to be vanilla ice cream. Remember, we're all about vanilla ice cream. And you want to recognize that he is going to be moving, sort of think of it in three boxes, right? So there's one box where when kids are going through a lot of stress and change that they really sort of shut down. And we call that hypo arousal. arousal. So so he's, kids shut down and we've talked about kids being isolated and not wanting to communicate. And then we have this middle place where they're sort of available and they're feeling like you got a little homeostasis going on. And then there's this third box where they're really hyper aroused. So they're, that's when kids are going to be acting out. They might be more aggressive. They might be, like you saying, hitting or talking back. And it seems as if they've just been juiced on something that is not all that appealing to you as a parent. You want to talk to them about being in that middle place which if we're talking about this in terms of when we're talking about trauma treatment, actually, Dan Siegel coined this term called the window of tolerance. And that means that window where you're able to tolerate more because you're not, your nervous system isn't overwhelmed. If we're taking it out of the realm of trauma and we're just talking about this chronic sort of stressful change that we're going through, be aware of these three places that your child might be and talk to him about these three places. As you can tell, I am so big on just telling kids what they need to know about themselves, just giving them the information and talk to him about how he can be in that middle place. Because if he is hitting and talking back, he's in that place where he's hyper aroused and he's feeling all this aggression and all this energy. Talk to him about how he finds that and see if you can come up with some ways and some solutions together so that so that he begins to have an understanding of what's going on inside him. Remember, we've talked about emotional literacy and being able to give kids the skills, even at the age of almost seven, to be able to put words to his feelings and to put feelings in a, in a context that he can talk to you about is doing him an enormous service. So talk to him about it and talk about that middle place. Just to clarify, one of the things I thought I understood where you were headed because mm-hmm. when my children were younger, and actually this would still apply, if if things are heated, I always recognize now isn't the time, like there's a time and place to talk about it. Sometimes 
they're too worked up to talk about it. Right. So I would then say like, you know, tomorrow when things are calmer, we're mm-hmm. going to bring up this conversation or right. this moment again. But what I just wanted to clarify, were you saying that you think that you can give a child the ability and the skill and the insight when they're in the that third stage of being kind of frenetic, you're trying to talk them down into that middle ground? Or are you saying, wait till they're in the middle ground to talk about that? That is a very, very good question. So kind of both. But I, I use the term front loading a lot, which means that the learning has to happen when they're in that place where they're capable of absorbing things and learning. So the first time you talk to him about it, you're exactly right. When he is in that state of being angry and lashing out and that kind of stuff, no teaching is going to happen. Right. We want to have the first conversations with him when he's in that nice middle place. And then we we talk when he's in that nice middle place. So he has some language and you guys have come up with some vocabulary for it. And then when he gets into that other hyper place, then you can reference that middle place. So it's sort of both. We're always trying to pull him back into that middle place, but we don't start with the teaching when he's already wound up. That's not the place. So that would be the time when you would say, you know what, this isn't the time to talk about this, but later when you're feeling better and when I'm feeling better, we'll have a conversation about this. So it's really both of those things that that you were just describing. Because we've talked about emotional re- reactivity, right? And I've said, when, when a kid is freaking out, that's not the time to add punishment. So the kid is freaking out and you're like, now you've lost your phone for three days, right? And the kids at that moment, kids don't say like, oh, okay, oh, you know what? That's so helpful, mom. I'm calming down now, right? Whoop, off they go. And then the other thing to remember about when we're talking about regression and why it's happening now and why actually it's going to feel a little harder for you to get your kids out of that regress state is because kids, when they're learning something, when they're learning something new, when they're stepping into new situations, when we are requiring them to be adaptable, that takes a lot of energy. Regression oftentimes is just that they're out of gas, that they're just they're just falling back into that comfort place. They're falling back on things that they know. And so as we're going through all this, remember, we are creating new neural pathways. If you talk to any teachers right now who over the last few weeks have figured out how to do online learning and are still trying to figure it out, they're, they're, they're feeling like they've never taught before. I am feeling as I'm doing all of my sessions with my clients on a screen, which I'm grateful for, I am exhausted by that because I am doing it in a way that I'm not used to. So the regression has a lot to do with with learning new things and stepping into new things and then needing to kind of recover. So falling back into those old patterns just because it feels easier. And I think that's something to really think about in our lives as we're going through this, in the lives of our kids, is let's make sure it's almost like we're making some room for a little planned regression because it's a little planned regrouping. It's a little comfort food. It's a little comfort time because this is really exhausting in a way that is just hard for us to even understand because a lot of times we're not doing all that much and yet it feels tiring. 
So just be aware of that. This is that regression has a is is a big sign that your child is just a little tired out. I just want to speak up and validate for the parents as you were saying that. I mean, I'm in a great chipper mood because I'm I'm having fun talking to you right now, and this is my retreat. Um, but we're so many of us are so overstretched right now, mm-hmm. working full time from home, juggling the family, cooking three meals a day now, trying to manage a home, and it like we're all so stressed. I just appreciate and validate that when a child shows up with regressive behavior, a parent's going to initially internalize this as one more thing I have to deal with when I feel so overwhelmed and overtaxed right now. So I just wanted to say like, that's, it's, it must be, you know, it must be very hard to respond to that when we all feel like our resources are really spent right now. Right. And that's such a good point because say, just to use an example, say that you felt like you had your child potty trained or say that you had finally gotten them to stop sucking their thumb, which they generally stop on their own if we, right. But just let's say, or or whatever behavior we're talking about, something that you were able to, or or say that you, you noticed in the last year, you were saying to yourself, oh, I'm so glad. Gosh, I remember when my little four-year-old would have a temper tantrum when I put the green beans on his plate and he's so much more flexible now. And then two nights ago, you put the green beans on his plate and he freaked out again. That is, you're so quick to say, oh my God, right? Oh, what are we doing wrong? Or I can't believe we're going backwards or this is the last thing that I need. So I think it is so important to validate that that I, I am not surprised if your kid is freaking out because you put the green beans on the plate. Because if you think about your own ability to manage right now, if somebody, whatever it is that that feels uncomfortable for you too, I, I want to have a temper tantrum. I want to cry. I want to. I want to curl up and not do things some days. So yeah, it's so important to just recognize that this is this is a normal reaction, and it is okay for you not to be the perfect parent, and it is okay for your kids to slide back a little bit. They'll catch up. That's the way this thing works, and that's how development works normally. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So 
every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. If you are a mom who's trying to keep your calendar organized, keep your family's appointments where they need to be, then I'll tell you, the Skylight Calendar is a product that you ought to check out. You know how it is. Running a household can be pure chaos and it can be so stressful. This is why you need to check out the Skylight Calendar. It is going to make your life easier, mom. It really is. The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar and organizer for all your chores, groceries, to-do lists and a great way to manage appointments to make sure they never overlap and they're never missed. It helps keep busy households on track so families can get time back for moments that really matter. The Skylight Calendar is so easy to use and to set up. It's not going to frustrate you. You're going to be able to get it going within minutes. It syncs events from other family calendars, including Google, Apple, Outlook. You can add events directly using the touchscreen or with the free Skylight mobile app. Updates to linked calendars will automatically appear on the Skylight calendar at home. So no more worrying that you guys are going to forget something. No more cluttered paper calendars. It shows all family events together in one spot. The events are color-coded so you can easily see what everyone has going on each week. When the calendar's not in use, you can turn it into a digital picture frame. It's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love the Skylight calendar, you'll receive a full refund. They offer a 120-day money-back guarantee and free returns. You can't beat it. I think the feature that I love most is the collaborative way we can all add to the grocery list. And then when I'm ready to place an online order, whether I'm at home or my office, I have that list and there's no more items that we forget. So as a special time-limited offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash flusterclucks. Mother's Day is coming right up. So order today to get 15% off your purchase at skylightcal.com slash flusterclucks. Even outside of pandemic conditions, I would have moments, especially with raising children under the age of six, it mm -hmm. feels like the myth of Sisyphus. Mm -hmm. And so even now, just like how heightened things are, mm -hmm. uh, because just when you think you have things under a sense of control or mm -hmm. order or progress, you know, children would wreck that plan, wreck yeah. the house, wreck whatever. So yeah. um, I just, yeah. uh, we're sharing support for all of the moms who are facing this type of regression right now. Right. Because it's just, it's just normal under normal circumstances and it's really normal under abnormal circumstances. Also, there was just another question I think that is relevant to what we're talking about now, Robin, um, the woman who had the question about her three-year-old who has a stutter and wanting to know whether or not 
this is something that could be connected to stress and anxiety. And this mom describes her little three-year-old guy as having an impressively full vocabulary and would talk nonstop, but is having some pretty severe stuttering, getting hung up on basic words to the point where he isn't even trying to talk too much. So let me just say this. At this age, a developing a bit of a stutter is a normal thing. Particularly if you have little kids that started speaking early and impressively, if you have little chatterboxes, and Robin will attest to this, our family is full of chatterboxes that started talking early, and most of the kids in our family went through this in some way because what happens is that as they're little and they're learning, they can talk about a lot of things and talk about things that are very concrete and that they're learning and they're describing and they're remembering. But what happens when they start dealing with things that are a little bit more emotionally complex is that their brain doesn't have the ability to connect the big feelings that they want to express with the language that they have as a two or a three-year-old. So they get a little stuck. So they're sort of in their brain kind of thinking about what they're going to say and trying to put words to what they were going to say in a way that, that generally happens around three or four, sometimes a little bit later. Later. So I wouldn't be too concerned about this. And the reason also I wouldn't be too concerned about this is because this is a stressful time. He is having big feelings that he doesn't know how to put into words as a, a little three-year-old. He's experienced some loss. He's not being able to see his grandma right now. All of these quarantine stressors that we're undergoing. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it. The way that I would address it right now is I would say absolutely nothing about it. I wouldn't bring it to his attention. I wouldn't show any concern on your face. I wouldn't have conversations with him about it. I would truly pretend that it's not happening and see what happens over time as Hopefully, all of this stuff resolves and he gets his normal little life back as his little emotional brain catches up with his speaking brain. If it gets worse over time and you want to talk to somebody, a speech and language person about it, I'm sure that they would be able to give you some great, great information about it. But the main thing I know that we have to pay attention to with stutters is that we don't pay attention to them. One of the things that happens with a lot of these things is that they become self-conscious about it. They start to feel worried about it. Then they're paying attention to it, and that only exacerbates the problem. I think it's going to be okay. Based on working with a lot of little kids who do this, particularly verbal ones, let it ride and see if it resolves itself. And then if it doesn't or if it gets worse, then you can talk to somebody. But I don't think you're at that stage yet. We've been talking, Robin, a lot about littler kids um, and regression and things like sucking on pacifiers and that kind of stuff. But regression also appears in tweeners and in teens too. And in fact, tweener time can be <laughs> tweener time. Um, tweener time can be a pretty significant place where regression can show up. 
And a lot of that has to do with the fact that just the very nature that you're a tweener, so you're sort of in middle school, bumping up against 11, 10, 11 years old, 12, is that you are actually in the process developmentally of wanting still to be a kid, but becoming more aware of adult things and valuing adult things. So it's interesting when I'm talking to middle schoolers and I talk to them about externalizing the worry and pulling it out and giving it a name. So pull your, pull your worry out and call it, you know, Francis, whatever. Little kids love it. High schools will, high schoolers will do it like that. Adults will do it like that. Middle schoolers, tweeners are the ones that give me the most pushback about it because they are very conscious of being treated like a baby. So they want to be adult. They want to step into things. This is when they're trying on new clothes. They're listening to different music. They're even changing their relationships and their friendships. It's all this time of experimentation with who they are. And so they're, they're quick to fall back. Again, remember I said when you're sort of tired out and when you're tired of learning new things, so they fall, they fall back. Teens and tweens are at this point in an in-between place in their development and the quarantine is not making it any easier because they are supposed to be doing all this learning and all this exploring and all this finding out who they are in the context of their social lives. And we have taken that, well, we, we didn't take it away, but the virus has taken that away for a while. What we want to do to help with that is it really is okay to acknowledge that for them and to normalize that for them. They are not really going to want to have a big discussion about it. They're not going to want to sit down and have you talk to them about how the fact that you've noticed some regressing back into the things they used to do and that the that you've noticed that they're acting a little childish, but recognize that it's normal for them to be doing that. You can you can joke with them a little bit about it. I don't want, there's a big difference between joking and teasing. Teasing is shaming, right? So if, if, a, if, if you've got a, a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old who seems to be more emotional right now, who maybe is, is going back and playing games or having temper tantrums or whatever, you, you don't want to tease them about that. So you don't want to say, oh, you're being such a baby. Why do you have to be such a baby? Or I thought you grew out of that. And why are you acting like this again? What are you in seventh grade or second grade? That's teasing and that's shaming. You can joke a little bit. And by joking, it might sound like, oh, you know what? This is, this is hard for all of us. If I were you, I'd want to be back in second grade too. Or you might say, I can see definitely that you are feeling more emotional and who wouldn't right now? So, so being able to just acknowledge it in a, in, in a validating way, again, you don't have to permit behavior that you wouldn't permit at other times in your family, but, but, but recognize that teens and tweens right now emotionally spent. They're really worn out just as we are. They're really missing out. They're having a lot of big feelings. So that regression, isolation, grumpiness, crankiness, and even going back and wanting to listen to, you know, like you were saying, Robin, listen, listening to music from their childhood or whatever that may be, that's going to be a normal thing. Acknowledge it, validate it, don't shame about it. I don't think it's going to last forever. I, I know it's not going to last forever because this isn't going to last forever. 
but it's just a tough time. So we're all going to take a few steps back during this. It's not permanent. We're going to be okay. This week, even though I'm like chipper, I'm like, it is going to last forever. (laughs) It's going to last forever. I don't want to be so pessimistic. Well, that's because if it lasts into the summer, that feels like forever for us. I know. That feels like forever. I mean, I just feel like, oh my God, please, please don't take away my summer. That's how I feel. So here's the takeaway from this. Regression is a normal part of development. In the best of circumstances, our kids take a few steps or sometimes even huge leaps forward, and then they fall backwards a bit. And we do the same thing. So it's normal. It's okay. Expect it to show up. Talk to your kids about it. Help them get to that middle place where they're feeling like they've got at least two feet under them. And know that as we as we go through this, that you're going to have to manage your own behaviors and your own emotions as you're handing, handling your children's, and that's tricky. Um, I didn't talk much about sleep in terms of regression, even though it shows up in sleep, because that is going to be a whole episode coming up. There's a lot to talk about in terms of sleep in all age groups. As always, thanks for listening. Um, join the Facebook group so you can ask questions for future episodes. And please share this podcast with any parenting or school lists that you have so that we can offer virtual support to as many parents as possible right now. That is our goal for us to feel connected and validated. Not about perfection, it's about connection. And that, yes, it will end. Parenting won't, thank goodness, but the quarantine will. Yeah, pandemic parenting better end at some point. It's Yes, it will for sure. And we'll get back to the parts of parenting that don't feel so separate and don't feel so isolating. So Robin, it's nice to see you virtually. It's the only way we've seen each other in a long time. Yes, nice to see you too. We'll be back again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. I've been working on the When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.